Welcome to the Speakeasy, the officially unofficial podcast for Boardwalk Empire on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And tonight we're covering Season 5, Episode 3, entitled What Jesus Said. Uh, this was, I think, a, maybe a better episode than the first two, I felt. I feel like at this point, in this, this is the... This is the point, kind of mid-season point, even though we're only three episodes in, that I feel like the table is all but set. Okay. So like next week, we we might need to talk, figure out how we're going to tie in New York to Chicago, but mm-hmm. I already see where all of the characters are going to kind of be set on collision courses. So okay. now, yeah. now it, and it, it always tries a Boardwalk fan's patience to... <laughs> see winter set the table one fork and yeah. spoon at a time and you just can't see you think but we would learn eventually i you know to just and trust him right it's funny the first episode several people on facebook were like talking me off a cliff <laughs> this last episode i had to talk a couple people off the cliff on facebook it's just the way of the world man and i, yep. I would i would surmise that we're in for maybe one more episode because that's the one thing i don't quite see the Atlantic City, Chicago, New York City connection. Sure, it's all. And it's Eli's all be up a there. Van Alden, Mueller's up there. Capone's mm-hmm. up there. There's still that Narcisi, uh, Luciano, Marzano war in New York. That you know, I, yeah. where is this all going to go? I don't know. There, there were some things in this episode that I thought uh, maybe they didn't need to do. Maybe they slowed things down a little bit. Wasted some time in a very short season five. I wonder if but Cuba, we'll talk about it. When I wonder we get if Cuba's going to be a MacGuffin. Ooh. That it's just something just to get him it's, for it's, Bacardi. It's the carrot. This this Bacardi thing's the carrot that involves the Kennedys, and and it's it's basically yeah. serves as uh, your know, Nucky's last big heist, his last big score. Yeah, I could totally see that because I don't know how in the world we're still mixed up with with wheat, though, right? Like crazy, like tasty wheat, cr- Mrs. Yeah. Wheat. So like, if she gets whacked. Like, if she gets whacked by Cuban revolutionaries yeah. or something down there, I mean, how do they have time? What does Nucky do? And they felt very disconnected know. this episode, you know? Yeah, a little bit. They had a 30-second scene where it was largely them listening to music over a, you mm-hmm. know, trans-oceanic cable wire. I... Yeah, now that Margaret's back, who knows? Yeah, now, that's... that's like kind of up in the air, too. Yeah. Um, but super we, interesting. We should talk about the episode, right? Yeah, I do. It was directed uh, by Ed uh, Bianchi, who has done a lot of Boardwalk Empire, six episodes, a lot of killing. He directed an episode of Halt and Catch Fire, mm-hmm. which I never had a problem with its look. Which and, episode? Uh, Adventure, <laughs> which is one of the ones we didn't see. But, okay. But I never thought the problem that show was production values no. or its cinematography. Mm, looked great. Um, he's done just a shitload of stuff. Uh, Deadwood, The Wire. He did uh, four episodes of The Wire. Um, Anything it, good? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will cut you. It's uh, written by uh, Christine Chambers and Howard Co- Quarter, which usually when I hear co-writers, I'm thinking, ooh, train wreck. But uh-huh. didn't see any evidence of that. Christine's an old hat for uh, Boardwalk Empire's written uh, numerous episodes, as well as Sopranos. So there's a Terrence Winters connection. And Howard mm-hmm. done a lot, uh, 20, 20 episodes of Boardwalk Empire he's had his hand in. Wow. Um, as well as a smattering of other television. So I felt like we were in good ends and all that craftsmanship showed. Uh, I thought a lot of the guest spots, I don't even know their names. The guy who played uh, Buck slash Milton slash whatever his name is, Chalky's yeah. compatriot. 
Uh-huh. Fern, I thought was really good. Fern's mom, Marie, I thought was really good. Yep. A, a lot of really strong guest performances. The guy playing Joe Kennedy is a fucking Kennedy, as far as I can tell. Sure. No, he's great. He's probably one of uh, Joe's bastard grandchildren or something. I don't know. He's, he's, he's got that essential Kennedy quality. <laughs> or, uh, he's really channeling it. Sure. As, as really has not been done as well since I think Kevin Costner took on the challenge. <laughs> In uh, whatever that black and white movie in the the, the late two thousand or early two thousands was, yeah, uh, Dances with Wolves, Thirteen he, Days, where, I think, where he or... went by the name Mangles of Mang- Mangle, <laughs> yes, Mangles and Accidents, yeah, the the Mangle Kennedy, yeah, yeah, he started trying to talk Navajo and Indians, like just just don't, <laughs> just don't. This is this is sure. dehuman- dehumanizing us both. Um, I thought so. This the the way this sh- this episode began i thought was rather godfatherian you know where they show this cold open of a house and we just go through all these empty you know kind of tinged with gray long shots down hallways the hospital scene and godfather yeah building some tension and we get the broken glass we get chalky and milton um breaking in there's a nice touch where chalky still's got the mismatched shoes Oh, yeah, it's kind of hard to notice that because everything is so desaturated. Right. And drab. But, that, like, one's a cordovan. One's, like, brown. And one's a black. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought that was a nice touch, although you wonder, if you got a shoe that fits, uh, <laughs> that black shoe was not the best shoe leather. Why not just go for both, man? Yeah. When do you ever see a pair of shoes in the wild? Uh, or, I'm sorry, one shoe in the wild versus yeah. a pair of shoes. Right. You don't usually. They're, they're match sets. And someone's probably been murdered there if that's if there's only one. Uh, Chalky's scarfing down a Rocky style breakfast. He's cracking eggs and drinking them right out of glasses. There's a lot of really old timey slang in here. For example, he says "gooseberried some clothes." I looked that up. "Gooseberried" is is refers to the act of stealing clothes off of a clothes wire uh, clothesline as they're hung out to dry. Well, I mean, it's, I, I didn't realize that. Do you know the last time I've seen a clothesline used outside of like a camping situation? Uh, go to a big city, you'll see them. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Surprisingly, people like to hang their shit out on their balconies. The city all the reeks, time. man. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's going to smell like asphalt and rat ass. Sure. Wow. Well, that's, that's just the smell of the city. All right. Do you want that in your clothes? Like I, because yeah. I, I, I grew up in the country. My mom had a clothesline. I, I think yeah, of yeah. like, you know, hanging out your sheets, and it smells like sunshine and freshly mown sure grass. flowers and yeah, the city man. It smells like <laughs> hot ass. Sure. I hang mine off the back of a subway car. That's what I do. Speaking of fern, <laughs> uh, she tiptoes downstairs and uh, is accosted by these two. Shortly followed by her mother. Mm. Chalky thinks this whole situation is sketchy from the jump. The whole time he's the, – the the reason we're here is because – and I don't think it was necessarily obvious at first, but this is the house that Milton was talking about in the opening episode that he saw the safe yeah. with all the money. Mm-hmm. I assumed that this was like his safe house. This is just a house that he planned to rob that well, yeah, he yeah. delivered ice to once. When I saw that it was empty, I was like, okay, they're coming here because they know this is a safe place to stay. But no, no, these these people – Apparently had a safe that he knew about. Do you buy that this is the right house? Like, I kind of questioned throughout the episode whether he... Hmm. This is a symptom of him. Because he also had this, like, raging headache, which I took as uh, a symptom of his having his head half caved in mm-hmm. in the past. Um, and him being kind of irritable that way. Do you think that he's just wrong? 
Because this never seemed like know. a well-to-do family. Y- yeah, it doesn't really. And th- the only thing that makes me think he might be right about it is how much she was lying to him about everything. I mean, from from having a safe period to knowing the combination to the safe, like maybe her denying that there was ever like a safe in the basement is just her straight up lying. Hmm. Cause she lied about a lot of stuff to this guy. Right. Do you, so all she had were Liberty bonds, nine bucks, uh, nine bucks and, and, yeah. and Liberty bonds. I don't, I, I did a little bit of research about what a Liberty bond was and mm. I still don't have a clear idea of why they would be worthless to a guy like Chalky or Milton. I don't know what that's implying that if he went to go cash them in, that no one would believe a black guy at, in this era would have had Liberty bonds mm-hmm. or whether they are not matured yet that, you know, cause you okay. buy a bond and yeah, yeah. you know, you can't cash it in for X amount of years and they just hadn't matured yet. Although 31, those are world war one issued. That's, that's a long maturation years. rate. Yeah. Whether that they're actually coded to an individual person, like made out to somebody that, you know, like a kind of a cashier's check. I, I couldn't really tell, but if it's true that she, or the fact that maybe he's in prisoner's clothing, <laughs> and coming up with this, these Liberty Bonds might look suspicious. That that could be a problem, too. I just wonder why she was so stubborn and, and lying about the whole situation. Was it just a fear that they were going to be raped and killed at some point? Because that, to me, was the ever-present fear throughout this whole episode. This, sure. And, and, yes. <laughs> and, and I felt like Chalky thought that, too. The second that yeah. woman walked down there, he's like, oh, Christ, this guy is a fucking loose cannon. He's looking over his shoulder the whole time. He's standing back. He's watching what this guy is going to do. And I kept waiting. And this is kind of why I was a little bit disappointed in how long this took, but I kept waiting for the inevitable moment where he steps in and saves these people because that's, you know, as much as Chalky wants to say, I'm just like this guy. He's not. He's not. He's a, a more decent guy than than Pernsley was or that this guy is. Sure. And, so. and we'll get to this a little bit more as we go on. But I, I, I want to echo what you said. I was a little disappointed that this didn't, you know, I, I, I think it was Andrew T on Facebook that was like, hey, this show, every time you think it's obvious that they're going to make a left turn, they're going to zig right, and you're going to find out some kind of weird twist, like maybe they are loaded or maybe the husband left the money that they didn't even know they had or whatever. But okay. this played out exactly like, like I thought it was going to play out the second the women got involved, that yeah. this guy was going to do something a little too heinous for Chalky's, Ch- Chalky's spirit and his blood to take, and uh, he was going to kill the guy. And, well, it happened exactly like that. Yeah. But it took all episode to get there, and I don't feel like – the payoff was enough to warrant the time spent on it, given that this is an eight-episode season and All right. the final season. I have a couple thoughts of maybe that re- redeem it, but we'll get there a little bit. Okay. Uh, you know what it's time for? It's time for a boytage. Yeah. Boy? Yeah. There, there's uh, – I think the, the, the they got a lot of mileage out of word boy, mm-hmm. and we just have this, again, montage of little Nucky – back in the uh, genesis of the boardwalk being ordered around day and night by people on uh, in Atlantic City. Uh, a little girl catches his eye. Is is there any parallel here to the prisoner storyline for Chalky? How so? Being ordered around by these guys to break rocks all day uh, and Nucky being ordered around to do the bidding of the uh, the Commodore. Eh, possibly. 
I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, get yeah that I couldn't. I couldn't figure out the connection, but I was just wondering. There's this one dude that uh, tries to make common cause with Chalk, uh, with Nucky. Good Christ! This is this shows my Waterloo. Nucky, Chalky, Lucky. Oh man, Nantucket. It's just a clusterfuck. <laughs> uh, but he tries to uh, he tries to make common cause with Nucky because uh-huh. he's saying, "Hey, guys like us, you know, we 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 hazard everything. We have no shame. We don't care about respect. It's all." It's it's we're all or nothing, and mm-hmm. uh, he gives Nucky. It looked like a dollar, maybe it's a twenty five cents two bit piece. But yeah. he, he said, you know, keep these fresh roses or fresh flowers coming every day. As the door shuts, you see a very comely, comely young woman. Yep. Uh, some some blatant eye candy. By the way, I saw the preview for next week. They're going to Kentucky. Oh my Ch- God! Ch- Chalky's going to Kentucky with Nucky. No, Nucky's still in it. Why? Why? Atlantic why? Nucky's City. on the boat in Nantucky. Yeah. Oh my God. Joe. Joe is in Nantucky. Chalky's in <laughs> Kentucky. Nucky's. Joe's going to offer the milk to uh, <laughs> Kitty for some fucky fucky. <laughs> yes. Uh, maybe some sucky sucky. Yep. Oh my above. God! It's the it's the uh, pronounced apocalypse. What would you call that? I don't know. A syllopicalist? I don't... Fuck. I, I nope. can't even... Yeah. No no joke there. The joke's already been made. Hey, speaking of uh, apocalypses, mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> the rough transition, Mickey Doyle. Oh. Finally having Mickey Doyle sighting. Yeah, a lot of a lot of characters coming back this time. Narcisse, uh, Mickey Doyle. This motherfucker. Someone we speculated might be dead by this point. This motherfucker, 12... <laughs> 11 years in this show's history still it. doesn't understand why he gets no respect. God damn it. Yeah. This guy kills me. Uh, he's running what used to be the Onk or the, the Onyx. I don't know what Nucky's calling it now. Maybe it's called the Onyx. Maybe it's called the Nantucket. I don't know. Uh, yeah. He uh, Nucky's saying, hey, you need to get uh, some of our uh, our muscle that's working down at the docks and the factory and the, mm-hmm. the uh, loading facility. Uh, get him some Roscos, which is another twenties gangster slang for for pistols, for heaters, for gats. Huh. Okay. And uh, Doyle's like, well, who's going to load the the trucks? And he's like, there's, you know, it's a fucking Great Depression genius. Uh, go out and find <laughs> she got that. So many people who would love to work. Right. Because he's and he Doyle's like, I thought you said Marzano said God bless. He goes, yeah. Well, people told the Indians they could keep Oklahoma too. Yeah, and he doesn't get it. No, because he's an he idiot. Get it. God damn it, he's an idiot. He is an idiot. Uh, right about here, as he's complaining that he don't get no respect, Miss Wheat calls all the way from Cuba. Yeah. Before we leave this club, okay. You made the observation that Nucky whitewashed this club. It does seem like Nucky when Chalky was running this club, there were a lot of black acts, mm-hmm. and I think maybe exclusively, yeah, a lot of white acts. clientele because Plenty that was like a very exotic kind of uh, thing. And it's on the boardwalk where a, a whole bunch of rich white people hang out, right? Sure, sure. So it's interesting that when Nucky's got control of it, and I don't know if this is just like a an access thing. Where he doesn't have the connections to the black entertainment industry there. Well, it could like be. Chalky did. Well, I mean, Narcissi's out, obviously. Oh, Chalky yeah. is gone to parts unknown. I mean, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know who Nucky would partner up with. And it didn't. I yeah, always got yeah. the feeling that Nucky's not exactly a high-minded guy when it comes to race. Sure, he had respect for Chalky to a point. Yeah, yeah. But it didn't surprise me to see that he had effectively. I mean, there was there was no black folk there. Yeah. Not even people's like None. serving drinks or shit. Nope. Uh, so yeah, a lot less color in the Onyx. 
Uh, he's talking to Miss Weed on the phone. Uh, apparently, Ronis, who I believe is the Bacardi executive, is squawking about his expenses. Uh, they commiserate over the fact that Lloyd's gone, but uh, Nucky is confident that there's a big fish coming in from Boston that might turn their fortunes around. Sweet. As happy days are here again. And he gets a letter from Miss Nellie from the Pirate Sea. We will speculate about this at the end of the cast about how this all connects. Um, yeah, I got a pretty potentially good... very interesting. Yeah, Margaret is a terrible liar. She's meeting with the uh, business owners of the firm she works with, which I don't recall its name, and uh, she's pretending she doesn't know who Arnold Rothstein is. She barely remembers a Breadstone. I think he's the gentleman that drinks milk. Oh my goodness! A hundred eleven thousand dollars have gone missing, and my signature. How did that get on there? Yeah. So, is are we to understand that Margaret has in like so I guess it's been three years since Ar died? She's been siphoning the money to continue to pay for her apartment and lifestyle upgrade. I, I'm really not certain. Is she splitting it? Is the boss forcing her to split it with him? I mean, I I I don't know. It doesn't seem to me like the boss was the one taking the money because he shot himself. Like, if he were a little uh, more well-off, like he had been stealing Rothstein's money, he probably wouldn't have killed himself. Because that's the thing. Margaret, she could not afford that apartment and that lifestyle yeah. uh, on the salary that she had. If she did, she wouldn't need needed AR. Mm-hmm. So I felt like definitely a lot of that money went her way. So after he died, yeah, mm. she started collecting out of his account. Should have been smarter. She should have cleaned the rest of it out and absconded when she had the uh, file in her hand. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised she was caught as flat-footed as she was. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't know why that happened. Uh moving on that uh, the family that uh, Chalky and Milton are uh, holding up uh, only have 9 bucks. You can tell the Fern is kind of making shit up as she went along. At least I did from the beginning, she, you know, lying about her father coming back. Um yeah. Milton's big uh, grudge against his family is that he hauled a 100-pound block of ice downstairs, put it in the fridge, and didn't get anything for his trouble other than a that'll do. Yep. A Babe the Pig reference. Uh, he's pissed off that they're lying before the Lord, and he's doing a lot of things that I, I felt like it's interesting. A lot of people on Reddit weren't getting, like him drinking the milk and then making the 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 Fern's mom drink after him was just fucking with, white, with a white woman. Sure, I can see that. Yeah, that'd be into her mind. Uh, that would be a very gross thing to have to drink after uh, a, a, a colored person. So sure, he's just, again, fucking with them. He's angry with Chalky because he feels like Chalky should just be able to handle the telephone. He'd be able, right. If people call and it's like, if I answer, people are going to go fucking crazy. He's like, I thought you'd do it to handle the telephone. And it's Yeah, this guy doesn't understand anything. He's, he's pissed that he understands how truant officers work. And Chalky seems like he's trying everything he can do to get them out of the situation without Milton going fucking crazy. Yeah. Uh, and they keep looking at, like... In the second exchange, they start looking to Chalky when Milton speaks at him, which is just slow, uh, slowly burning him up. Sure. That as, they're, as it should. Yeah, he's the guy with the gun. He's, he's the guy calling the shots. He's the guy with the gun and the milk. Pay attention to me. It, so the milk here is ironic intimidation, right, Fr- from this guy. Like he's drinking this very innocent beverage sure. to make him seem more intimidating. 
Yeah, there's a lot of milk in this episode. There's there the is. conspicuous reference to AR drinking milk. There's uh, AR's wife saying she can't keep milk around because it makes her turns her stomach because you know she's married to AR and he's a creepy dude to drink milk. Yep. Uh, there's uh, Joe Kennedy mentioning he's going to give uh, Kitty a saucer of milk. A lot, uh-huh. lot of milk references. Do you? There's a lot of people doing mental pretzels and gymnastics trying to make the milk be a thing. I don't think the milk was anything. Sure. I didn't pick up on anything. It might be something, but if somebody can find it uh, conclusively, then they're smarter than I am. That's for sure. That's the thing. And like, I mean, I get it that you can, you can draw a lot of conclusions that are not in the text, but unless you got something that really ties all four together, you know, I'm not yeah, buying and it's it. fine. I mean, if people want to speculate on the milk, have fun with that. Sometimes you know? milk's just milk. It, but sometimes milk is just milk. It doesn't have to be upper class, lower class racial aspirations. It doesn't have to be referenced to Joe Kennedy's seminal fluid. It doesn't have to be anything <laughs> Reddit. It can just be fucking milk. Uh, I am still super curious how Chalky got into prison. Oh, yeah. We still don't like, know how he went from... yeah. Being a, a distraught father, just watched his daughter's brains get blown out in front of him and to being a guy busting rocks. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sp- curious. Speaking of the good doctor, mm-hmm. we see Lucky and uh, uh, Luciano and Siegel are meeting with him, wanting. Oh, I love this scene. Wanting to, because we know Narcisse and uh, uh, or Narcisse and the uh, Joe the boss uh, had a, a a understanding about the heroin trade and the drug trade. And Marzano uh, wants in on that. He wants to get his beak wet. Yeah. And Narcisse is not not too thrilled. Why do you think Narcisse is so resistant? Do you think it's the fact that they just I shook t- him down in Harlem? I can tell you why. Okay. Because they show up and offer him everything he already has. It's the nuck, It's the nucky it's, thing. Yeah. Like, oh, I get to keep yeah. what is already mine. How how generous. Right? I mean, they, they come in and basically say, uh, nice shop you have here. It'd be a shame if anything bad were to happen to it. Hmm. Uh, and you know, obviously something bad does happen later on. Uh, it's just, it's, it's an offer. That's not an offer, but that's what they kind of gave to Nucky. Certainly. And he was pissed about it too. Uh, But Nucky didn't like spit in their face or disrespect him. He just soldiering up. Sure. Because Nucky's a little bit smarter, uh, a little bit more tactical. I think that, I think Narcisse just has too, a little too much pride. I also think he feels like he is safe in Harlem. Like you uh, might own might, New York yeah. City, but I fucking own this town. Yeah, it's I. I wonder how much because like when Chalky went and shot up his hideout sure. or wherever he was, yeah. that didn't seem to rattle Narcisse. His social club. Yeah, he, he was just like, yeah, I killed one of your guys too. So it's, it's shocking to me that I shot at you that that this guy. You know, Nucky gets this, not even a threat. It's like, hey, everything's cool. Yeah. And he soldiers up because he's like, fuck that. Uh-huh. Narcisse hears an overt threat to his ladies, his whores. Uh-huh. And he still has one dude kind of being the, the pimp slash whatever, the house attendant, the house certain, what do you call the house madam if he's a man, the house mister? I, sure, why not? The, the He's got the house mister just sitting there all mm-hmm. by him, lonesome. Completely yeah. gets dropped on by two very gangster-looking dudes. Mm. I, I, I kind of, kind of a uncharacteristic weakness of his. I mean, this is just showing you this scene. I, I love the just sly intimidation of the line. Like, 
you know what I love about the city? Everything's so close. The dialogue in this it's show. It's just brilliant. It's so intimidating when it's just such innocent words coming out, but the way they're said and the context just tells you this is not good. And and obviously, war is brewing here. Sure. I mean, we see the hit later on. But, but Narcisse is not going to take that lying down. There's but it's, no it's, way. It's a war that Narcisse is fine with starting. Yeah. He's like not – doesn't seem overly concerned. He, Jeffrey Wright is brilliant, and I thought that he – the way is he, he the played Narcisse, Narcisse, yeah, it's okay. almost like he's just tired. He's he's like barely civil to these guys. Uh-huh. Um, do you think it's par- maybe because he's offended that they made a move on uh, Joe the Boss – Without kind of even consulting him, or that might be it. I mean, last episode we saw them saying like we don't have the support yet to take out this other guy, so maybe, maybe there was some kind of support needed from Narcisse. Maybe he already knows what they're going to say before he does it. But I, I just thought, yeah, there's also that. There's, he's he's a little bit deflated still he from felt last like year. Me watching this episode with Chalky and Milton and being like, hmm, yeah, yeah, I know what's going to happen. Just get to it. He he wasn't quite wasn't quite as smooth and superior as as we've seen him be before. Sure, uh, I'm I'm curious about what what exactly the last six years have have been for him. Yeah. Uh, so we have another boytage. Notice that Mr. Beckett uh, isn't there for his fresh flowers. Very odd cut. It's basically a, a six second boytage ending in uh, him not being able to deliver the flowers, mm-hmm. which I guess I don't know how else you would do it because you couldn't just. I, I, you could just cut this for him, with him being out on the beach, though. I mean, it's just such a I could tell segue that something that went was nothing. wrong. Yeah, when I saw him on the beach, yeah, but and he was uh, just looking very forlorn out on the, just staring into the water. So they needed that separation to kind of build in your mind what's going on, or um, I mean, it's just like I said, a seven yeah, second scene that mm-hmm. went went immediately nowhere. Uh, what does go somewhere is Nucky and Joe Kennedy meet. Uh, Joe Kenny says he's got eight kids. He's got number nine on the way. Uh, he tries to feel out Nucky for, uh, you know, what kind of family he's got and his, you know, why he doesn't have any kids. And you know, Nucky quickly mentions that, well, I got a brother that's looking after his interest in Chicago. And no, don't ask too many questions about his family and whether he's in <laughs> his nephew. I'm super close with. He's an uh, assistant U.S. attorney in Manhattan. Which answers a question we had from last year, uh, last episode. Did he, he get the job? Yeah, he did get the job. Interesting development. The biggest, most calorie laden slice of veal parmesan is plopped on oh. these two gentlemen's plates. Holy shit! Yeah, I had a heart attack just from the screen. Yep, yep. And uh, this is the scene where we find out that Joe doesn't drink, right? He does not drink. It's ah, uh, it's ah, uh, hot enough to do business as an Irish Catholic. <laughs> they judge us, don't you think? Um, yeah, so clearly this uh, – Nucky is wanting so hard to impress this guy. I, the guys in the AV Club reviewing this said it felt like a first date. A little bit, yep. Where Nucky's, Nucky is willing to sell him his own personal style out to impress this person. Mm-hmm. Is this a power move by Joe? I mean he ordered for him. The classic first date move, right? Sure. Power so, play. So Joe go to like, well, I don't, uh, I don't drink <laughs> just to get the power back or? No, no, no. He definitely doesn't drink. Okay. Ever. Yeah, it seems like it. Through this whole episode, we don't see him drink, and he's offered four or five times. So I bet he drinks in private. Oh, you think so? I mean, 
I, I, his boys definitely did, and you know, oh, yeah. I mean, look at Ted before he went. His head was the size of three volleyballs. His nose was like a you don't red get pepper. Way, you don't get that way not drinking. No, that's no. for sure. There was some consumption involved. I'm just saying it's really weird for that just to come out of nowhere and skip a generation. Well, I, so there's also this idea that you know, Nucky has potentially fought against what his dad was. Uh, you know, maybe that contributes to some sort of alcoholism in the future for, uh, old Teddy. You know, one thing I interest, and I don't know whether it's because, uh, it was with Joe and he's kind of nervous, but I find that Nucky, when he's trying to be charming, his charm is very artificial. Uh, the way he delivers his, mm-hmm. you know, one liners and kind of you know, the way a lot of the gangsters speak and it's really cool dialogue, but he delivers it almost flat. In fact, the only time I find that he's actually really pithy or interesting is when he's like fucking annoyed. Like <laughs> like he really gets some zingers against Mickey Doyle, against Eli. Mm-hmm. But when he's trying to punch above his weight, when he's trying to deal with the the board of directors of Mayflower Grain and when he's trying to deal with the Kennedys, it just feels like he is completely outclassed by their, you know, cl- I don't know. Maybe because he doesn't have really the power in those relationships. I mean, he goes into that Mayflower board, and they're the ones sitting on either side they're shooting just down his him. ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Joe is kind of doing the same thing in this episode. Mm, um, right. Even though, you know, if Joe wasn't interested in this deal at all, he wouldn't be hanging around in the first place. No, oh, he definitely so, wants... he's got to know he wants something, some piece of this. He's definitely hot for Bacardi. I think he would much rather have Bacardi sans Nucky. Yes, I think you're right about that. Uh, flash. We go back. Not flashback. We go back to uh, Buck and Chalky or Milton and Chalky. <laughs> Chuck and Bucky. Ch- Chucky, Chalky. <laughs> I don't think they're in Nantucket. Not yet. Not yet. Uh, Milton's falling asleep. Can't keep his eyes open. Uh, which gives Chalky and Fern and Marie time to get to know each other a little bit. Mabel's trying to, you know, reverse Stockholm ex- uh, a syndrome. Uh, Peru syndrome or whatever the hell it is, Chili syndrome, uh, Chalky by, you know, talking about his daughter. She doesn't know that that's a landmine. That's the last thing in the world that Chalky wants to think about. Yeah. Uh, there's that great line that was in the all the preseason trailers about, yeah. you know, there's forgiveness for everyone. That's what Jesus said. <laughs> Baby girl, Jesus was wrong. Yep. About that time, uh, knock on the door. I thought maybe it's a milk delivery. It's a dress delivery for Fern Spring Formal. Uh-huh. That seems to really set Milton off. Yep, yeah, gets a little creepy. In, Do you think, again, I started to wonder if maybe this is a little bit of class struggle, that he, you know, because he's talking about, like, oh, you guys had this big party, and there was a safe in the basement, and now you're getting this dress. This is something rich people do. Yeah. That that he just doesn't understand that that's kind of entirely normal. Like they're, they're, to buy a dress? Yeah, like I yeah. could have a safe in my pocket. I got shit. I got I got nothing to my name. <laughs> right. Uh, other than this microphone and a growing mountain of debt. <laughs> but I could have a safe in my house. Yeah. You know, I could have, you know, some people some you people Costco, do that. You get a decent safe. Yeah, you got you got your you got you put your passport in there, you could put mm-hmm. your birth certificates, all that other guns private shit. Yeah, my guns and and uh, my war bonds. Store your illegal fireworks in of there. Of course, of course. It doesn't mean your that you're necess- doesn't necessarily mean you're loaded, is all I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so as soon as he sees the dress, uh, Chalky gets concerned. I get concerned because I just knew that he was going to try to get mm-hmm. her to dress robe in front of him. And I notice that Chalky starts to move in. 
yeah. like a shark. But but may, but uh, Fern's mom broke first. Yep. Because no no the safe's upstairs. We had to move because of flood. Do you think uh, Chalky would have stove his head in right then and there if if uh, Fern's so. mom didn't blink? I think so. I think he's making his move to do that, and I think maybe his maybe her mom saw this and saw what was about to go down and didn't want that struggle right then and there. Uh, maybe didn't think that Chalky could take him just with his bare hands mm. and kind of stepped in to help Chalky out a little bit as well. Mm. Like, that was a vibe I got. I don't know if that's actually in the scene, mm. but that's what I saw. Uh, moving on to Miss Ross scene, which I thought was a a brilliant I- scene. Love seeing Margaret raked over the coals by this woman. I love it because I don't like Margaret very much. There's something I think Alan Seppenwell mentioned in his review where that Margaret has been able to hold her own in confrontations like this because largely because people miss miss uh, underestimate her. Okay, like mm-hmm. they think she's one thing, but she's really another. They don't know that she's connected with Nucky or. But in this scene, yeah. all these scenes, everyone has the upper hand because they know exactly what she is, and she's got no way to escalate the situation. Yeah, it's super interesting, too, because when their relationship first started, yeah. Nucky and her, uh-huh. the fact that she was with Nucky meant that people – I don't want to say overestimated because I think Margaret is a very capable, smart woman. <laughs> uh, but I will say they gave her a little more latitude well, than sure. maybe she deserved just being new to this whole – in buyer business sort of thing. Right. Now the tables are turned. Like, Nucky was the man about town at that point. Plus, Nucky had a long history of carousing with bimbos. So Margaret, who was a woman of substance, you know, and actually knew how to wield some of this power and money that she had and could actually fuck over her husband in surprising ways, um, that was something that they didn't know how to handle. Yeah, I mean, what I'm saying is I think Nucky used to be a positive thing for her yes. in interacting with other people, and now it's a very – it's taken a very different turn. Yeah, and Miss Rothstein just blows her out of her knickers. Yeah. Like, she just basically calls <laughs> yep. bullshit on everything from the it. jump, and she just has this absolute moral superiority. Oh, yeah. Even when she finds out that her husband and hers business relation was just business, it didn't really matter because not only do I know that you had all this – dealings with my husband not only do i know that you've been stealing my shit uh-huh but i also know exactly who you are and i'm going to let you lie to me one more time before i completely crush you i was at yeah. and they, they make that reference to that really gaudy party that was i believe the season three opener where they had the big chest full of gold sure. and stuff and it was the new year's eve party she was there i saw you i know you're mrs thompson i know your husband's good for the money uh-huh. And you're going to get a chance to be drugged through the newspapers. You've been able you you were able to get out of that situation and have a nice life for yourself and your kids. I'm gonna blow all that up. Sure, yeah, I I really love that scene a lot. I don't know who played Miss Rothstein, but wow, that was a tough, tough, tough lady. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see Nucky dealing with Mabel who we find out is the cute girl that he was uh, making eyes at on the patio. This time he's making eyes at her peeing in the dunes. Uh, I don't know. You think she's pinching the loaf? I, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think so. Let's keep it classy, Jim. <laughs> she's making water on the dune. Uh, this kid does a credible bu- uh, Busimi impersonation. Mm-hmm. I'm... It's all about the eyes with <laughs> the Busimi impersonation. Well, I also think it's the cadence 
like okay. when he says that something doesn't have to make sense, uh, or that you know that that you know that doesn't make sense. He says that with like the same look on his face and the same kind of cadence that that Steve uses with his character of Nucky. Mm-hmm. And every time, it's amazing when you see really talented child actors. I wonder whether the director just spent twenty scenes like coaching him on every single enunciation until they got it right or these kids are just fucking gifted because yeah. both these kids were amazing with no adults to work with sure that's got to be the hardest at all it's one thing if you're working with a you know a brian cranston or a, you know uh um you think about who um you know like john ham uh what's who's the girl that plays sally Sharon a Kip, Kurt, Sh- yeah, Sherpa Kierly, Kieran Kier- Knightley Shipley, Shipley Sherpa, yeah. Kieran, Kieran and Shipper, uh, <laughs> Kieran and Nucky, Lucky, yeah, Kentucky Shipley. So it's one thing when you, you got John Hamm next to you to help you carry the scene, but these are just two yeah. fucking kids acting. I thought it was sure. amazing. That's that's hard to do. Also, like I wonder how much. Like, it's one thing to understand the emotion of a scene as mm-hmm. a kid, which I think is hard enough. Right. But then to do an accurate impression of someone else being right. in that scene, like right. being a younger version of another actor is even more difficult. Yeah, like you are 10, 11 years old, maybe nine, to get what it's like to interact with a girl uh-huh. that you're kind of like the first time you're like really seriously and 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 you're – you know, you're out of the pulling pigtails phase. You're trying to actually interact with them in an adult capacity, but it's kind of your first time and – you're, you're, you know, you still got your training wheels on. I thought it's just completely convincing performance from both of them. Sure. I thought it was amazing. Uh, Nucky likes big bustles and he cannot lie because <laughs> that woman's, that, that, that girl's bustle was banging. Were you it, looking at her bustle? It's all I could look at. I don't think it's like, cause that's not like looking at her ass. That's a feature of her dress. It's, sure. It was, you know, it was weird. I, I don't even know what that was. I, yeah. Is that a part of dresses back then? Well, it's like, so you've got this really modest culture. You know who could tell us? Who? Kelly and Tom from Up Yours Downstairs. We I need. bet they've seen a goddamn busload of bustles. They've seen a a, a definite. You you put, took the words right out of my mouth. It's weird, though. You have this repressed culture where people are fucking in a three-piece suit and Sunday dresses in a beach uh, three miles away from the water and the highlight of the trip is getting their feet wet. Not above the ankle, yeah, dear. That's no. what whores do. Keep your ankles dry. <laughs> uh-huh. But they've got this thing that just basically gives them a ghetto booty. Uh-huh. They got the big booty. Like, yep. what the fuck? You got the big booty if you're trying to be so uptight about it. And why the hell do you put it on a 10-year-old girl? <laughs> I don't what know, the fuck? I don't, I, don't, I don't. I feel like it's just a feature of all dresses. Like it's sure, yeah. Put the big butts and boobs on everybody. Why it's not? It's not like something they do to accentuate the Got a six-month-old girl. Put her in a bustle. <laughs> oh my god! Why not? Carriages have bustles on them. Sure. Yeah. I'm just saying it was it was it was a little weird. Uh, what did you make of the line Enoch walked Enoch walked with God and he is no more? Uh, she kind of tried to explain this, but Nucky wasn't buying it. Young Nucky not having it. Uh so it seems like Nucky already is calling bullshit on religion, which seems like it. Which it's you know that I I buy that with he's his just experience. too jaded, right? And, and who his he sister grew up just to be. died, and he's yeah. he's just fucking jaded. Yeah, his mom's praying for everybody, and he's not getting anybody any you know. Yeah. The only good's coming from sweeping the floors of the Commodore. Yep. Uh, I don't know. We got a really interesting take. I'll say interesting because I don't know how fully baked the idea is, but we got a really good listener take from that that I want to kind of. 
okay. let her have dibs on. Uh, apparently, this is like obviously it's a Bible verse, um, but it was also kind of a widely used saying as well, like a colloquialism sort of thing. Was it? Uh, from what I was reading, yeah, uh, it was a thing back then, but I don't know the exact what kind of, of thing. I don't know. Saying that, I looked it up on Bible Hub, and there was some. You can't trust some Bible stuff Hub. Around it. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I assume it's the the internet's authority on uh, Bible stuff because it's got the word Bible in it. Yeah, yeah, Bible Hub. Mm. It's the hub for anything related to the Bible. So All right, I'm trusting it. I'm going to create a Bible stub. Where it's just, you know, taking things wildly out of context and okay. shallow surface understandings. Yep. Because um, that's what I excel at. I don't know. I mean, I was familiar with, the, you know, because I was raised in a, a fundamentalist cult that likes to beat the Bible into, into even young kids. Mm-hmm. And I remember that Bible story, Enoch. I don't. Which one is that? Enoch was like Noah's great or grandfather, and he was one of the few righteous men in the time between Adam and Eve where things were perfect and Noah where things were so fucking awful that God had to kill it, murder everyone on the planet yep. except for eight yep. people. I blame Enoch, really. He, he got down to where there's just one righteous man. I, I He should have called the flood there, but I guess he didn't have a breeding pair of righteous people, and it would have yeah. all – he'd had to start all over, which might not have been a bad idea. You, you get – this was clearly a proof – we're clearly living in a proof of concept. Yeah, definitely. You need to just wad it up, start over, whiteboard it, get a minimum viable product going. If God going. were to do it again, who do you think would be the, the one surviving family? Nowadays? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it depends on how dark you the want me to get. The Kardashians, maybe? You think he just... The Phelps family? <laughs> oh, oh, God. Because <laughs> they're, 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 they're holding old school they're... with the, the brimstone and, and the fire. Are. But uh, I don't know. Um yeah. Plenty of nice Christian families out there that are uh, not oppressing everybody and sincere. I'm sure he could pick amongst them. Sure. Okay. Not me. No. Nope, not, not me. me. Not me. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what, what's going on with this uh, Nucky other than she's trying to flirt with him because his name is – yeah. he is Enoch as well. Sure. And, you know, later on she sends the postcard back and is definitely flirting with him there. So I think that's what she's doing here. There's some light bestiality. Yep. Kissing horses. Yep. Uh, one, you know, going uh, pony play for pay. That's uh, that was a thing. I can back see then. kids thinking that kissing a horse would be hilarious. Sure, I thought yeah. it was funny, especially paying someone who has to kiss a horse, <laughs> forcing them to kiss a horse. Yeah, just, just, as soon as he does it once, she just gets out a roll of dimes. I'm gonna be entertained all day, boy. Uh, we go back to uh, Chalky's club, and I gotta say, not only has it been whitewashed, but it's really, really gone downhill. Actually, I'm, I've skipped ahead a scene. Oh, you have? This okay. is just an introductory where, you know, Nucky, uh, Nucky is in Chalky's club <laughs> talking to Joe about Nantucket. Uh, we see the GM execs. They got their fucking uh, Doctor Who hats on. They're being crazy dumbasses. GM, man. GM has gotten the short end of the stick when it comes to television lately. I mean, they look at the Mad Men They're maniacs. Stuff. They're gun-toting. They're lunatics. Running cars in, in, inside D- Detroit. Burlesque, uh, drunken, law-breaking burlesque hounds. They're literally like, jerk-offs. It, literally, yeah. Yeah, so uh, Nucky sends back the good booze because, uh, you know, Mickey Mickey knows how Nucky rolls, and he's got the good stuff out. He's got the, I think it was Jameson. <sighs> And yeah. Nucky's like, oh, how dare you bring me back a uh, a tonic water, which or a tonic, which I guess is yeah. code for uh, Coca Cola. No, no, no. So 
uh, Joe orders a tonic water, and then Nucky says Coca Cola. Right, which so she that's, brings him. So a tonic water is Coca Cola. No, no, they. She brings. That was his order. She brings two glasses back. One is tonic water, and one is Coca Cola. Okay, so Nucky's drinking a Coca Cola. Yes. So why does he then say, as Joe takes a drink, I hear that rum's pretty good in that. He's making an obvious Cuba Libre reference. Ooh. See, I think a tonic, I think that's what they... Is rum good in tonic water? I think that Coca-Cola used to be referred to as a tonic. But I watched her bring the glasses. One is clear and one is not. And And Joe's is clear? She sets the clear one on his side. Hmm. Maybe Nucky switches them. I didn't pay close attention after that. It's but. been an interesting week for tonics because on Friday night there was a reference to uh, Dr. Pepper, which apparently was in a, what in, in in the Nick, oh, okay. which was apparently a real doctor who is hawking Dr. Pepper as a brain tonic. Okay. So that's yeah. why I'm so goddamn smart. I drank so much Dr. Pepper <laughs> back in the day. And those Dr. Pepper, you know, there was a big deal about the ingredients, right? It's got so many spices yeah. or whatever. Coca-Cola's got cocaine. Dr. Pepper is probably heroin or some shit. I don't know. Meth. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah. The uh, Back then, as today, uh, the only part you couldn't show on a woman without it being indecent was apparently her... Her slit and her nipples. Everything else, every yeah. square inch of a woman is Everything decent goes. except for the nipples and the slit. That I think that still holds true today. That's right? what I'm saying. Like, you can put someone in a string-ass bikini and uh, some pasties. You, They'll show that shit on primetime ABC. Yes. As soon as the nipple is revealed, children's uh-huh. heads explode. It doesn't matter how big the bustle. Doesn't matter how big the top. You can then, if like, if you're on Hannibal, you can show a woman's body. Uh-huh. You can then gut her, yeah. literally gut her, and wrap her intestines around her neck, and that's cool. Yep. But if, if, if at any point in that process of defacing her body, mm-hmm. her nipples exposed... You well, get fined. Just, yeah, people burst into flames. I, I don't get the country that I live in sometimes. Insane. Uh, anyway, yeah, this this is the scene, in fact, that it does look like... I think we're supposed to understand that Mickey has kind of let this sh- this place slide down the class side a little yeah, thing. Yeah, with Dr. Jerkoff in the corner. Yeah, because if, if, I feel like if Nucky was running this place or if Chalky was running this place, that guy never whips out his dick. He never makes or it that far. Or if he does, he never whips it out again. Yeah, <laughs> it's not up to Joe Kennedy to, to find this place. But again, it's another thing mm-hmm. that's embarrassing for, for Nucky. Yeah. Because this is his... This is his uh, this is the, what did he call it, the flagship or the crow's nest of the HMS Nucky Thompson. That's what Joe called it. Is that it. what he said? Yeah, Ooh. he's making a nautical reference. Okay. Another Nantucket reference. Sure. Uh, Chalky and uh, Milton are banging on the safe, trying to get this thing open, uh, and Milton calls bullshit. He starts beating on walls. He... Would have been funny if the money fell out of those walls. <laughs> you know, I almost thought that's what they were going to go, that he was going to reveal oh, the wall God. safe. That would have been such a bad twist. Yeah. Yeah, no, just, totally. Like, took total coincidence. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But no, that's not what happens. And he calls bullshit and he says, look, I'm smarter than you realize because you're saying you got a dad coming home. It's in the middle of the fucking night. He's still not here. And ain't no man shit. There's no razor. There's no belts. Yep. There's no nothing. This is a bunch of bullshit. Uh, we find out that... Uh, after he grabs and starts to strangle her daughter, the mom cracks again, decides to open a safe, which, again, why didn't she just do this from the beginning? It's all a bunch of bogus Liberty Bonds. And uh, uh, Chalky then decides when uh, Milton begins to really try to kill this woman, throttle her, that he just hammers him, yeah. pulls a Fargo. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, like I said, Chalky's better than uh, what is his name? Milton. Yeah, yeah. He's just Buck. a more decent guy than him. What do you think of Fern saying? Does Mabel know who you are? And she goes, "She knows what I was." Maybell. Let's let's be very clear about the yes. distinction between their names because that's a little confusing. Yes. Fuck this show with the Mabels and Maybells <laughs> and the Chalkies, Nuckies, Luckies. <laughs> <laughs> They're really trying to drive me crazy. Yeah, this is your worst nightmare for it a is. show. It is. I love the show to death, but my God, I just realized I've never had to talk about it professionally, and I'm an yeah. idiot. How about the, the the number, the sheer number, the quantity of Tommies in this show? Oh, yeah. Uh, that's another one. T- Tommy, Timmy, Johnny, Jimmy. Uh, there's tons of them. Yeah, if they start tons calling Joe, Joey next w- oh, week, I just, I'm hanging it up. Uh, so anyway... <laughs> Where were we at? Uh, what did you think of that? So what? So she asked him, and he gives that response kind of cryptic. Chalky's a man without a country right now. Yep. Where's he going to go? He's got no home to go to. Anywhere he goes is better than going with Milton, though. And, and, and I understand, but he, he didn't know that for sure yet. He now was he following knew Milton. Now he's yeah. got no home to go to. He's got no partners. He's got nothing. And I'm assuming he's going to get connected with Nucky. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, again, we got to get the Chalky, Nucky, Chucky combo together <laughs> uh-huh. to make my life complete. Sure. But I, I don't see how and I don't understand what kind of reception he's going to have. Is he going to come back and dem- yeah. he has no muscle to offer? Nucky, I mean, can he rally the black community in Atlantic City? Are they going to be happy with him? Because Narcisi kind of poisoned that well. Man, all very good questions that I don't have any immediate answers to. I'm super, super excited to see how it plays out, though. I guess that's another connection I haven't quite made. I haven't gotten figured out the New York-Chicago connection. I haven't figured out the Chalky connection yet. Um, Obviously, this went nowhere. Back to the club. I got to say... I like the body diversity in yep, the yep. burlesque show. Smart business decision. Why? Why do you get a whole? Why do you want to get a bunch of women that look all the same? Yeah. When you can get somebody for everybody. Exactly. It's a box of chocolates. Sure. Inevitably, in those performances, you end up like identifying the people that you like. Yeah. And you go with you stick your eyes on them. Yeah. I mean, right? I don't. I don't like the raspberry cream chocolates, but somebody does. Somebody probably sure. eats them first. Yeah. So you got it. You got it. I don't like uh, eclairs. All shapes and but sizes. I'll eat a chocolate donut. All no shapes problem. and sizes. Is what I'm saying. Yep. Smart. Smart move on Mickey. He's got that much. That he's got going for him. You know who King Solomon is? I have no idea. Do you? He is a Russian. Oh, I want to say Russian Jewish kingpin it, in Boston. Ah. Uh, uh, who is also bootlegging? That makes sense. Did yeah. you? I don't know about the Russian, but the uh, the Jewish part makes sense with the Solomon deal. Yeah. Uh, he's a gangster, unlike Nucky. He is. <laughs> whose hands are clean. Uh, yeah, not so much. But It's interesting how he's selling himself to Joe here. And Joe is just kind of sparring. He's looking for these weaknesses. I think he's already found the weaknesses. He's just attacking them. A- another brilliant scene. Yeah. That's fantastic. He wants to know, what are you making this money for? That's something you and I were wondering about, too. Yeah. Like, what is driving you? I need to understand this before I get into bed with you. Sure, and I think maybe that question is being presented because we're seeing so much of young Nucky this time. Sure. That's what we're going to get into in the next few episodes, I'm hoping. Yeah, and honestly, introducing Mabel, which I think, I mean, we got some theories about this, but I think that is going to eventually be Nucky's wife, which we know 
Um, you know, her death and the death of his first son is something that profoundly affected him, that made him almost incapable of loving someone. He came to closest with Margaret, but even that he couldn't keep going. There's that, and there's also his relationship with his father, or really lack thereof. Sure. Uh, it's, it's juxtaposed with Joe's relationship with his kids and teaching them to sail and, Which we, we, you know, being a decent father. Joe Kennedy kids. is everything that Nucky wanted to be when he started this shit. Exactly. He's like, and, I just want to make easy money. Mm-hmm. I'm in this cushy position. It's, it's just going to roll in. And I wonder. And he was up until the, law, the Volstead Act. And then, boom, he's all of a sudden a criminal. Yeah, but it wasn't like a blood on the hands type criminal, and I, I kind of think like that's I th- true. I think we're we're want we're meant to understand that Nucky made choices to got him in this position, but honestly, I don't. You know, um, Nucky didn't want to kill people. People came after him, and he had to respond. He could have just I, given up the game, I guess, and gone peacefully. You know, in this scene, I felt like it was more of a. You are the product of your upbringing sort of thing. Mm. Because, I mean, why else would Joe be talking about his kids and the way he's teaching them to sail and asking about Nucky's relationship with his father and things like that? It very much felt like, you know, Nucky didn't have a positive view of his father, and so he's rebelling against that. That's his drive Mm. to, to be a rich man, to be a mover and shaker, whereas Joe is instilling some values in his kids by having an actual relationship with them. And maybe, you know, as we know, they grow up to do some really great things. So, but but we got, we also know that there is something missing inside Nucky. And he went from a, uh, this boy that was, even though he is in a terrible situation, he was relatively optimistic about doing the right thing and Mm, the value of hard work and then going to a guy who the Commodore. Yeah. And, 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 you know, what, what's, what changed him, you know, how that was changing him and how the death of Mabel and his son changed him and how he became the man today. I'm a little bit more engaged and a little nucky at this point. Yeah, yeah, I think this episode did a lot to help that. I mean, between uh, the... Was she a hooker? Who? The the one who died in the hotel room? I have not. I mean, I guess. You don't really know. I guess so. Um, It's bad for business. I I don't think that was that dude's wife, right? No, you, you don't, you don't risk... like have a live-in hotel relationship with this your wife. This is going to sound really terrible, but yeah, oh, you God. don't you don't usually describe your wife as someone you risk all for, unless. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Asshole. No, well, I'm just saying like you might die for her like that, but it's not usually like you've yeah, already yeah. got if she's married to you. Like, just keep treating her well, and you know you don't you don't have to fuck status quo, huh? Yeah, with your you wife. Just, you just keep on keeping hours every day. Try to avoid here. the inevitable spiral into dead bedrooms and, and resentment uh, and hostility. Uh, <laughs> I pity your girlfriend. I pity her. Well, she, there's I I you've got me flat footed. I feel like I'm Nucky and you're Joe Kennedy, you son of a bitch. Would you like a drink? Yeah, go pour me a drink now after you do that to me. Uh so Joe makes a point that, uh, hey, look, I'm not a criminal. And Nucky says that's not a technicality. And Joe's like, it's a very good technicality. It's good for business. No one can come and do shit to me. Sure, they can't do exactly what the Mayflower guys did to Nucky last right. episode. Yeah, and I wonder if that's strictly true because Joe does – I mean his reputation I know historically is a bootlegger. That's super weird, yeah. Now, they could be – this is could just be 
Terrence Winter playing fast and loose and retconning him into being a you know Wall Street shark. I don't, I don't know. Or he could be talking about reputation as well, right? I mean, maybe not actual illegality, but reputational illegality because or, Nucky is now known as a bootlegger. Or maybe Joe focused on start, stock market manipulation. He had he a did. big, he had a legitimate fortune with there that he was then able to get into bootlegging through other parties without getting his hands dirty. That's the thing. Like, has he disconnected himself well enough yeah. from the bootlegging that he doesn't feel that's breaking the law? Uh, but he's, I mean, Nucky just feels brittle as hell here. He's like a gr- yeah. glass rod. Um, he tries to make a stand because, you know, Joe's like, I want you to tell me right now, what are you doing this for me? Or I'm going to walk out and Nucky cracks. He goes, I want to leave uh-huh. something behind. Uh, then he, Joe very patronizingly pours him a drink and then says, I'm going to go off and, uh, I'm going to go fuck, fuck kitty. What? Give us some fucky. What, what do you think he means by I want to leave something behind? Is he wanting to get this money so he can do right by Margaret and her kids? Ah, uh, that's a really good question because I know in season three, he really took a liking to those kids. And it was really just the collapse of his and uh, Margaret's relationship that brought that to a halt. Yeah, because uh, I felt like he really loved these kids. Some Michael Corleone, Kate type of thing. There was some genuine yeah. love and admiration and uh-huh. family feelings, but the business got in the way. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, so I, I think you know now that Margaret is back in the mix, I'm wondering where that goes. Is is he going to kind of glom back onto her and say, "This is my opportunity." My last opportunity to leave something behind to both Margaret and these these children. What would Miss Wheat would say about that, if that theory is true? I don't know. She seemed to be a minor part of his life at this point outside of the business. Does he even know where the hell she is before she shows up in his office? Margaret? Yeah. Mm, probably not, I'd imagine. That's why she changes her name and everything, right? Right. Uh, so little Nucky goes up to deliver fresh flowers... Uh, to Mr. Beckett, I believe is his name's room, and he hears men talking, and he looks, and uh, open the door opens, and a sheriff hammer, and the Commodore dealing with this murder, uh, this, this woman who's been splattered all over this hotel room. And uh, we then see Doyle pulling up with a truck and getting some bums for labor that Nucky told him to do. Bums, bums, please, hobos. Hobos, sorry. Thank you. Didn't follow the code. <laughs> 16-year-old kid comes up and uh, begs for a job, ends up being number nine. He went for eight, came up for nine. This kid, he's almost 16. He's actually 15. He grew up on a farm. Yeah. My alarm bell started ringing. Qualifies you for all sorts of things growing up on a farm. We'll get you (laughs) kissing horses. Uh, Milk? Another milk reference? Ooh. Milking cows? Oh, he's he's milked a cow. For sure. Might have even milked a goat. He looks like a goat milker. (laughs) Uh, But number nine, I got some theories about him that we'll talk about here towards the end of the cast. Okay. Uh, Marizano sends a message to Narcisi's whorehouse in the form of two guys with Roscoe's blasting the place up. Just slaughtered everybody. You said that this is not Bugsy Siegel. It is not. That walks in there. I could have sworn it was him. It's just two, two, two mugs. One of which happens to look exactly like Siegel. Two humps. I don't think he looks exactly like Siegel. Oh, man, he looks exactly That's like racist. Siegel. That's racist. Just two, two guys look vaguely Jewish and they're the hey, same. I, all right, yeah. What would you know, Dago? Uh, hey, oh, oh, <laughs> hey. Chill uh, out. 
Uh, little Nucky tells the sheriff that he saw the murderer. I feel like this is his goo do do his d- good do gooder streak in mm-hmm. him. Um, and the uh, the sheriff says, "Hey, don't worry about that. It all worked out." He said he didn't catch him. He did what's right. I'm thinking this guy is in some. He yeah, he's in some hole in Atlantic City. Yep. And he says, "Look, you can't tell what people are thinking. You can't stop every bad thing." I feel like he's he's trying to. That Nucky, he thinks that maybe Nucky feels responsible for not noticing this, or I don't know. What? Why is he giving this soothing speech to the kid? Um, it's a good question. I I thought it wasn't so much. Clearly, these are lessons Nucky's taken to heart. Yeah, I didn't know that it was meant to soothe him necessarily, but to give him the harsh reality of it. I'm going to treat you like a man. I'm going to give like, you the man look, speech. There's bad stuff out there, but you can't fix it all, so don't worry about it. Uh, so Nucky gets a letter, and it's from Miss Mabel, who's quite the flirt. Uh, she would have yeah, been yeah. glad to st- stood in for uh, Nucky's pony. Yep. Um, and Nucky is just... Go back to present day Nucky. He's passed out uh, from the crow's nest, and he wakes up and he says, "Mabel drunkenly." And nope, afraid not. Margie turns on the lights, and Boom. it's Margaret. So they have very cryptic smiles between them. Mm. Very Mona Lisa. Don't know what that smile means. <laughs> uh, my first question here was: Is all the young Nucky stuff a dream that Nucky is having? Because he wakes up and he says, "Mabel." As if he were dreaming about Mabel at that point. So you're saying, are these flashbacks real-time things crossing Nucky's mind? Yeah. I... Maybe not necessarily, like, literal dreams, but but things he, yeah, he's thinking about. Must be. Because when I first saw this, I, I retconned in my mind that the letter that he saw in the first was actually from Mabel. And I'm like, oh, that's Jillian must be fucking with her. It's actually deeper than that. Nellie, yeah. there's this whole backstory that there in the ni- in 1922 there was a woman who committed herself to mental hospital as a journalist. Yeah, I think it's like Nellie Bly or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bly. Bly. Yeah. And she committed herself to a mental hospital to do this kind of uh, muckraking yellow journalism, where she then revealed how bad off. And that takes balls to commit yeah. yourself to a madhouse in 1922. Uh, and she's kind of a famous figure <laughs> yep. at the time. So I, I think we're led to believe that that letter is from Jillian and that she was sending him a coded message that she, he would understand to the extent that we know that he knows where Jillian is or what her final disposition was. I don't know. That yeah, we, know that. we were talking about that in season four that seemed, I, I don't recall him ever meeting with Jillian at all. It was, Jillian was more off with Ron Livingston doing sure. her, her, you know, getting busted thing. Um, but you mentioned that, like, Richard Harrow was mixed up in that, and he was. Yeah. He came to Nucky and he asked uh, to exhume Jimmy's corpse. Right. Uh, where the location of that was so that he could get custody of the children uh, based on that information. Sure. I don't know what kind of relationship Nucky has had with Jillian in this, the preceding six years. Well, to the extent – I mean, obviously Jillian knows that Nucky had to be behind revealing where the body was buried. I don't, right? I don't know. Maybe she just would think Harold would know that. I guess that's a – I don't know that it's an assumption they we can such make. such friends. Yeah, you might – Well, I'm just – plus that he was kind of like a – you know, uh, he was a soldier. So he would kind of know where the bodies are, might be buried or maybe, you know, maybe even help to, to conceal it. I don't know what Jillian thinks in her crazy head of hers. 
Yeah. I know that in season four, she blamed Richard for it. She blamed Harrow, obviously. So I got a couple. There's a lot of theories to talk about here, uh, which we're about. I guess we're, it's, it's time to talk about it. Sure. I have a bunch of questions. But first, before we get to like real theories, I wanted to pose a question. Do you think this stuff with Joe and Nucky is going to lead to like, a refocusing of Nucky's life? Like him taking stock and saying, look at Joe. He's my new role model. I need no. to leave something behind. There's not enough time. He's going to help me. There's not enough time for leaves to be turned new or otherwise. No, no this, you think it's just all downhill from here? I for feel Nucky? like this is a... Uh, I mean, the, the slogan for this season is no one goes quietly, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, no, I, I feel like that this is just his kind of shit passing in the night moment where it's like, you know, there but for... what do you, What's the opposite of grace of God? There but for the fuckery of the devil go I. <laughs> okay. Uh, I could have been this guy. I could have... You know, if, if if my son hadn't have died, if my if my, Mabel hadn't committed suicide, which I'm thinking that this little girl Mabel is Mabel... Grew up to be Mabel Thompson. They got married. He literally yeah. married his childhood sweetheart. I, I think so. That can really alter the course of a young man's life. Sure. Now, on the other hand, maybe he saw a lot of that as, you know, sins being paid forward because we know he did a lot of dastardly shit for the Commodore. Chief amongst them is aiding and abetting the Commodore raping a 12-year-old Jillian. Sure. So the fact that these sins are all potentially coming around at the end to prevent him from getting his hands clean, I think is interesting thematically and from a storytelling standpoint. Definitely. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, what about the idea, this is somewhat crazy-sounding idea that I saw on Reddit, that Nucky is going to take, you know, he wants to leave something behind. He's going to take this new kid who Doyle is bringing into the fold, this hobo, this 16-year-old hobo, mm-hmm. uh, as kind of his new... Jimmy? Uh, surrogate child. Willie? Yeah. He's going to be yeah. the new Jimmy Willie, uh, 90. Uh, that... That theory is in direct like, opposition to the theory that I've personally got. With Willie? Is that where you're going? Because Willie seemed to be that last season, right? Sure. Running up toward the end, it was like Nucky's going to... But then Nucky kind of refuted that and just said, no, you need to be <sighs> the... You need to stay out of this. Like, it, either it's not no. the right time. Yeah. You're he's, too young. You can serve in another way. I mean, go, or, you know, we yeah. have big plans for you. Kind of Don't very, get your hands dirty. Very Godfatherian. You know, what... Yeah, yeah, Michael. Yeah, what what the old Godfather wanted Michael to be and what Michael end, end, ended up becoming were two different things. And I felt like that was a similar arc to Will. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay. Any other questions propound me with? Um, No. No, I... I Maybe, I guess, with the return of Narcisse, the first time we've seen him in this season, and kind of Chalky out on his own now, do you think there's going to be a revenge story here? Do you think oh, Chalky wow. is going to be coming back? There's so many finding people. Finding out that Narcisse is still doing his thing and try to take him down? How does Chalky feel about Nucky at this point? Does Chalky, Chalky name? Because Ch- Nucky hired Richard Harrow to take out Narcisse, which directly led to Maybell. Getting her head blown off. Uh, and there was a little falling out with... There was already falling out because Nucky... Nucky and Chalky last season. And and that's exactly what Chalky wanted Nucky to do. He's like, choose a fucking side and go to war with me, will yeah, yeah. you? And Nucky did at the last minute, but in a way that spectacularly backfired. So yeah, yeah. I have no idea what those men's relationship is going to be. 
So that's a fine question. But I know that him and Narcisse are not on good Hell terms. Hell no. And probably never will be. I could definitely see him just wanting revenge now that he has absolutely nothing. To lose, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there, man, there's so many guys that become, could be coming after Nucky right now. Yeah. Let's talk about this a little bit. Okay. Uh, number nine, who's the hobo, 15-year-old hobo, mm-hmm. super strong farm boy, could be Clark Kent, a.k.a. Superman. <laughs> What Clark? He's Kent? super strong. Wait, he grew Kent up on a farm. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that on the Netflix spoiler machine today. Shit. <laughs> uh, could he be Tommy Darmondy? Could he be? Oh man, Jimmy's boy. You're going deep on this one. Because you know, one thing we talked about: all the people that could write, who who who, uh, Jillian could be writing. Uh-huh. D C on Facebook mentioned that she could be right in Tommy. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, you're evil, D. What the fuck is wrong with your soul that you would come up with something that terrible? But you know, I could see Jillian doing that. And the other thing is, just because she wrote one letter don't mean she couldn't write multiple letters. She had a shitload of paper. Shitload of paper, yeah. So Jillian could write Tommy and say, your uh, pseudo-uncle Nucky killed your father... And he's the reason that you never got to know him. And he's the reason why Richard, your adoptive father, Richard Harrow, got killed. Mm-hmm. He was going out to live um, with Richard's sister, who we know lived on a farm. The I We looked at the birth. Uh, this guy, kid was born in 1916, as far as I could tell by looking up at the wiki. So the age would be, he'd be like 14 to 15. It would be just about right. Yeah. So he could so- be coming back here for revenge of his own. I I won't say no to this. I think it's possible. There are a couple layers of assumptions, one being what we already talked about with Jillian maybe not even knowing that Nucky was involved in the the Harrow scheme. Well, you just said earlier that potentially she could think Harrow just knows because he's a soldier and he might know where bodies are buried. That's me playing the devil's advocate. I I know, I know. But that's a layer of assumption, right? There's nothing in the show to actually tell us that. Uh, The other assumption is who she's writing and you know that's that's two layers deep i'm not gonna say it can't happen and i think it might be cool if, if it did if that was what was going on here but there are a couple layers of assumption there because so so there's there's one dagger pointed at him we don't know what chalky's going to do we know that uh lucky and uh myers and who's but what you said bugsy um seagull yeah seagull mm-hmm. these guys are all arrayed against him yeah now we got this kid. Uh, we got Willie. We don't know what his loyalties are. Yep. A lot of stuff. Uh, number nine, could he be Teddy, which is Margaret's kid? The psycho gypsy seeing he was always fire a setting, bedwetting, maybe. I kind of think maybe uh, I'm just throwing that in. Yeah, that greenhouse shit from last season. I don't. So I the, the problem I have with that is there's no indication from Margaret that Teddy's gone rogue or gone missing. Like okay. she says, I live yeah. in my apartment with my children. She's not yeah. saying my child. And oh, by the way, I mean, there's nothing to indicate that Teddy has flown the coop. No, which he'd have to if he's down in Atlantic City, pretending to be a hobo, pretending to be a hobo, joining the gang. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's a little even more far fetched than it being Tommy. If it's not those two, I don't know who else it could be. I mean, other than like you said, it's just he. It's it's a plain reading. He's a hobo kid that is going to try to make good. I mean, we know that. 
Nucky has a soft spot. He's already adopted one of the little Cuban kids uh, at Miss Wheat's bar that he's yeah. trying to kind of bring up in the ways of being a scoundrel. So he eats that shit up. Uh, you know, Mickey Doyle's got a soft spot for the. I mean, that's how Will got in, in, involved in all the 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 bullshit last season. So I don't know. I think the yeah. my, my my money's on him being Tommy. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. We'll put see my, how it Put goes. my cards on the table. Shall we get into some feedback? Sure. But first, let's do a little bit of pimping. Uh, this is the end of an era, Jim. Ne- starting next week, uh, I think the, the Breaking Bad rewatch for season one recap might be the last podcast was just you and I in the room. Here, From here forward, we're going to be live casting these things on video on the internet. But you got to be a Patreon member to see that stuff. Uh, yeah, we had the yeah. pitch last week. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash bald move to check out how you can be a part of that. If you want to find out, we'll probably we're actually working this technology out. Uh, we've been experimenting with a little bit over the last few weeks. Uh, if you're a Patreon member, you might be getting a couple like test messages and we might be to do some test streams this week and next. Mm-hmm. But our intention is next week, this time, uh, you'll probably get a message 30 minutes or so before we actually start recording. We'll turn the cameras on and we'll just be bullshitting in the studio. We'll actually record the podcast live in front of you. Uh, we'll have an archive of that for um, all Patreon members. If you couldn't miss the, uh, hit the live live cast, uh, that's super exciting. Go to, uh, to patreon.com slash subbable. If you, sorry, patreon.com slash bald move. If you want to <laughs> find out more about that, we haven't forgotten subbable subbable.com slash bald move. In fact, we've got a pretty swanky way that we hope you guys can pool your money together to get commission podcast done. Coming down the pike for Subbable, uh, they'll probably be coming out in the next couple of months. Uh, Amazon.baldmove.com, still a great way to support us. You can straight up donate. Uh, you can donate Bitcoins if you're a crypto nerd. Go to baldmove.com slash – oh, I'm sorry. Go to support.baldmove.com if you'd like to find all the ways you can do that. Uh, yeah, Amazon's going to be pretty important coming up here the holiday seasons. Yeah, like speaking of holiday – Halloween to – you and I have got Christmas. a couple articles we've written on how you can cosplay slash dress up as your favorite characters from Breaking Bad. Uh, we've got a couple characters uh, on Game of Thrones. I've got uh, Danny, uh, Daenerys Targaryen, and uh, who else do I got? Joffrey. Joffrey. If you want to try to uh, cosplay as those, I'm going to be adding a character roughly once per day over the next week or so to get that fleshed out. Uh, you can check that out if you want to uh, for Halloween. And again, Christmas is coming up, so Amazon's going to be big for us. One other thing, we've got The Walking Dead coming back on the 12th of October. Oh, yeah. We're going to have a whole zombie month. It's going to be the month of the dead. Yep. I'm already doing uh, crossover cast with some of the other Walking Dead podcasters like Jason and Chris, uh, the guys from Walking Dead cast and Talking Dead, and we're going to be reviewing the Romero movies. I'm talking... Uh, with Eric from the Walker Stalker fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, Walker Stalker Con's coming up pretty soon in the middle of the month. Yep. Going to be doing Land of the Dead with him. Uh, Going to be doing a couple of those with Aaron. So I've got some classic zombie drills, some unreleased bald move content that we recorded yeah. years ago. It's a time capsule. Before we started, like, it's over five years old. It's before we started Breaking Bad. Yeah, literally. So, long time ago. Uh, I'm excited to, to unearth those. And, uh, yeah, so there's a lot of great ways to support us. Go to support. Contests, support that. giveaways. We're going to have like contests, yeah. giveaways. We're actually starting every Thursday from here on out. We're going to be doing a live stream of us playing the Walking Dead uh, Telltale Choose Your Own Adventure game. Yeah. 
uh, as a kind of way to get the lead up to the month of the dead and all throughout the month of the dead. So a lot of cool things surrounding that. Um, and, uh, that's all for the pimping. Go to ball, go to support.ballmove.com. If you'd like to find out more about any of that stuff, let us get to some feedback, shall we? Sure. Pharrell Q or Farrell Q says the difference in the relative power positions between rival bootleggers, Joe Kennedy and Nucky Thompson in early thirties is probably political. Nucky's a Republican who are champions of prohibition, but more importantly, are also on the way out of power. Joe Kennedy was a politically connected Democrat who married into the Fitzgerald Boston political machine. Thompson is the setting sun. Kennedy is the rising. Mm. Good historical take explaining the differences of, of uh, relative power there. Yep. Uh, Alicia S. takes us to task. Said regarding your discussion of Nucky's father, you guys seem to forget that Ethan Thompson, the father, was seen in at least the first ep- uh, season of Boardwalk Empire as an old man. Yeah. He's very old, and he lived in an old house, which is falling apart. Nucky refused to see him or treated him badly, although Eli treated him fairly well. Nucky burned down the house, which did not look like the one they're using yep. now. I did remember that. Sure, yeah. Didn't completely fuck it up when Ethan died. <laughs> also, perhaps Nucky sighted the Commodore after he saw his father pocket and probably later drink away the money that he claimed he did not want from the Commodore instead of using it for the purpose of burying his sister. Huh. Uh, Mia Culpa uh, galore on re- forgetting about the Ethan th- stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we got a lot of emails on that. Apologize for that mistake. She continues, Alicia does. As far as Jillian, I'm one of those as interested in her character, but that's perhaps because Gretchen Mall is so good. Yeah. I'm interested in her too, because, you know, those nipple things are ti- ticking time bomb. You just never uh-huh. know when they're just going to pop out. No pasties can contain those things. There's not a pasty alive no, that can contain no. those things you, you'd need like gorilla glue which hasn't been invented yet <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> uh capone sounds like a good bet as who uh to who jillian is writing or nucky but i can can't see her writing margaret other theories on who she is writing which these are still valid because again girl's got a lot of paper sure and a lot and, of a lot of time with her crazy yeah great crazy ass self to be writing them uh, someone in the government like Elliot Ness, who's trying to take gangsters down. She does know a lot about the criminal empire. It's true. It's she true. could be writing a memoir. She may not want to live. She did say she wanted to get her thoughts together. Uh, hmm. Regarding her, you'd think that the matron from the last episode could just take whatever dress she wanted from Jillian's luggage. Why does she barter? Is I don't that know. just a f- f- lesbian cr- fake out? I mean, it doesn't. It does seem like if yeah. she's the kind of nurse ratchet type, that she would just steal that shit. Yeah, that might been a li- might have been a liberty that the writers took. Hmm. I because I, I yeah I don't buy that she wouldn't just take it. Uh, Matthias from Germany said, "I also want to comment on the flashback scene with Nucky, Ethan, and the Commodore. To me, the scene is all about pride. When the Commodore offers his condolences and gives Ethan." Uh, a twenty dollar bill. Ethan first rejects it. Whenever the Commodore or whatever the Commodore's secondary motives and whatever beef he and Ethan may have had over the uh, lost land, that kind of money must have been a lot for the Thompson family. And it's Ethan's pride that keeps him from taking it. It looks all the more pitiful when Ethan grudgingly does pick up the money after the Commodore leaves, which Nucky sees. Now contrast this with the adult Nucky sitting on the at the table with the Mayflower grain connection. Considering the smug way which these businessmen treat him, a prideful Nucky would have had all the reason in the world to call off working with them, but he doesn't. The adult Nucky is a pragmatic businessman who doesn't always play fair, which is another lesson he learned from the Commodore, and who would certainly never let pride get in the way of earning money. Pretty strong take. Also contrast between Nucky, who gives back the $50 to get ahead, between Ethan, who 
grudgingly takes it and then blows it on presumably drink. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, Nucky's pattern has been to rebel against what his father was. I got to say, because last episode I said I was done little Nucky. I'm ready to bring on the mid-range Nucky. I feel like I need another episode of Little Nucky now. Oh, you want another? You can't introduce this. I Mabel. want a half episode. Can we get like a well, to be young fair, Nucky to teen Nucky transition next episode? It depends how many boy montages they go crazy with. Yeah. I mean, three or four boy montages, and you got two minutes right to stay there. <laughs> I think it would be funny if they continued to call him boy through his teen year. <laughs> through his late teens, That's early when 20s. Nucky kill, commits his first murder. He just snaps. <laughs> he kills the hammer. Uh, <laughs> fuck you i'm no boy <laughs> um that's no, when his I, eyes really bug out too. i do feel like now that they've introduced mabel although i guess they could sh- if if mabel turns out to be the same girl he marries they could easily move forward with a teenage nucky yeah or a young man nucky and really delve into that relationship i think so mm-hmm. um maybe it's not all that it cracked up to be maybe he checked out i kind of got the impression he checked out on that relationship even before the child was born and then lost. Oh, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, his work on the other, consistently gets in his way. Yeah. Maybe not checked out. Maybe just distracted by the work yeah. and the criminality. Andrew T said, what's up, you apple knockers? I don't mean to be a gimlet apple or... Apple knockers. He's, 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 he's loaded this up with 20 slang. So, okay. So keep up. Perfect. <laughs> I don't mean to be a gimlet or a windsucker, but I had to interrupt my Barney mugging to let you know some of the oh, history shit. behind the show. And I went out cease with the 20 slang because YOLO. I'm kind of disappointed. I thought you'd keep going. And I was going to launch into my all-time 20, 20s accent. <laughs> Boston accent, No, too, no huh? I was trying to go newsreel. Oh, like, yeah. Like, here we are at the 1920 World's, World's Fair. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Look at those bustles go. Beautiful lady. Uh, um, I'd like to preface all my statements with the fact that I'm a high school history teacher, so I didn't look up anything and probably fabricated this whole email. That being said, I heard you wondering why Nucky's mom was so horrified by the actions of her husband. Irish women were unique to America. First-generation female Irish immigrants experienced a lot, an odd dynamic. They came to America where the majority of them worked as housekeepers and found new freedom. The houses that they worked in, even if only from a Sears and Roebuck catalog, were almost palatial when compared to where they came from. For the first time, they enjoyed autonomy, earning their own money, and being able to provide for their families back home. However, they were expected to marry, albeit Irish women married at a much later age than other immigrant women. Once they married, they were expected to stop working as it was a bad ta- in bad taste to attend to someone else's family when you have your own from there, the women immediately got stripped of her agency. Further, Irish men, stereotypes aside, had a much higher rate of alcoholism. Hooray for prohibition. That, coupled with racism, led to high rates of unemployment. Irish, uh, Irish women were often abused physically and more often than any other immigrants were abandoned by their husbands. Either the husband would get upset or embarrassed that he couldn't provide and left, or he would take jobs out west that were dangerous and may never come back. I also wanted to mention that Eli's... Also wanted to mention that Eli's son mentioned Teddy Roosevelt. Initially, I thought this was just because he was a tough, beloved president and former police commissioner and governor of New York. Uh, by the way, uh, used to go uh, Teddy Roosevelt. By the way, used to go on all night undercover police investigations to eliminate crime. Teddy Roosevelt was Batman. Today, I learned pretty much. However, thinking about it more, I forgot that he was integral to the liberation of Cuba. Moreover, the legend has it that he and his Rough Riders are indirectly responsible for the rum and coke drink. 
Supposedly, a bunch of soldiers were celebrating and a high-ranking military leader wanted a drink. He decided to mix the rum with the Coke and lime, and soon everyone loved it. The soldiers all toasted poor Cuba Libre. Thank you for the historical tidbits and all the laughs. Andrew was killing it again on Facebook. Uh, Do we have any rum here? We do have rum, don't we? We do have rum. I might have to try that this afternoon. I got uh, a lime on the, the cabinet over there. There you go. Sounds like a sounds like a good evening. Yeah. Uh, he <laughs> when Nucky young Nucky got the letter from Mabel and it said uh, you know something you know kind of like the the romance letter. Uh, yeah. Andrew said, "Holy shit! I didn't know that horse was literate." Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, awesome. slayed me. Justin F said, "Margaret and Nucky are going to be each other's saviors and use Redstone's cash to fund Bacardi's operation with Kennedy. You know how much he loves his family." Hmm. So. It does seem likely that they – I forget whether it's a quarter million or a half million dollar policy on uh, old Doyle. It was, it was a half million dollar policy, which he paid out 100000 to get. So he still so got he that in pocket, million. obviously, mm-hmm. unless he just tore it up, which I doubt. Um, that's, God, that's, I hope we see him cash that in. That's in case of emergency break Doyle, right? <laughs> Pretty – Pretty much. I mean, he can completely settle her debts and fund whatever he needs just by offing that idiot. Yep. Uh, so, strong theory. Lauren McPee says, I've been thinking about Sunday's episode. Oh, this is the big Enoch email. The Enoch mail. Okay. Uh, I've been thinking about the Sunday's episode and some of the symbolism that we've been seeing this season. I've been trying to figure out what it could mean Ooh. for where Nucky will end up and wind up at the end of the series. Here's what I've been thinking about. Nucky's dad made the comment that it took three days for his mother to birth him. The first episode started with Nucky swimming around and finally emerging from the water with the realization he was uh, tired of his circumstances and was ready to evoke change, this eventually leading to his employment with the Commodore. While in a memory dream, Mabel made some really creepy comments about Enoch walking for 365 days before he went to be with God. Point of fact, I think that's 365 years. Yeah, it is. Um, but he lived to be more than one year old from, again, my fundamental understanding sure. of the Bible. I understand, I, I know that to God, a day is but a thousand years and a thousand years, but a day so you can easily 5,000 years old or 365 days or 365 minutes or whatever God yeah. wanted. Really? Sure. Uh, whatever you need to make your math work. Do so that's, not, do not let God cook for you because <laughs> he will either overcook or undercook everything. That's true. Or he might use, he might use a hundred <laughs> cups of flour or he might use a yeah. tablespoon. Who his, knows? His chicken is very dry. It's, is it's, all I'm saying. When you're dealing with an immortal omnipotent being, their, their graduated <laughs> measuring cups just could be all over the map. Uh, Laura continues, and don't let that kill your theory because that's a that's that's a real thing. Laura continues. Willie, I think, is playing both sides very closely with his job at the U.S. Attorney's Office and is waiting to see which way the winds blow. Oh, okay. that's a good theory. That like Willie's all about Willie. Yeah, Willie don't give a shit about Nucky or the system. Whoever's going to win, he wants to be on that winning side. Yep, that's a really good take. I think Terrence Winter is laying the groundwork for Red Herring Willie to convince us he's still on Nucky's side, but I do believe there's a degree of truth to what Willie said about how crime affected his family during the interview. So here are the threads I'm tenuously weaving. I think the three days birth, specifically the three days part, is some kind of messianic reference. Apparently, Nucky's mother's vagina is a grave or a whale's belly, if we we keep the biblical... Biblical analogy straight. And or Jonah. And or Jesus. 
And Nucky, Jesus. Nucky emerging from the water at I first saw as simply a symbolic birth into the choice to get ahead by whatever means possible, namely crime. But when I tie it hmm. to the other pseudo-biblical references, I think it might actually have been more of a baptism into an inventional life of crime. Then we get into mm. Mabel's creepy-ass prophecy. Not the first time we've seen a baptism on this show. True. And Go it's, horribly wrong. This is not a creepy-ass pro- prophecy. It's a creepy pony prophecy. Okay. Uh, I say prophecy because it seems a bit too literal to be accidental. Is this Winter's way of telling us Nucky has less than a year to live? At what point does mm. Willie or and what does Willie have to do with my crappy little tapestry here? Crappy tapestry. I think Willie could turn out to be the Judas in the story. Will he sell out Nucky to the attorney's office to get ahead, or even to get back at Nucky for affecting the downfall of Eli and separating their family? Very possible. Otherwise, why bring him back and put him into that position? 30 pieces of silver, Jim. Are you buying it for 30 pieces of silver? Uh, uh, so I will say that I don't think he's looking for the 30 pieces of silver. I would say her theory on him kind of just playing the odds here, just biding his time, waiting to see which, which side pans out is maybe... That's her most theory. Certainly, her most fully baked idea. The weakest yeah. part is the three sixty five because, yeah, you know, it I'm, is years, not days, and yeah, and you got to read into that a little too much for my taste. Sure. Um, if I'm trying I to figure out when Jesus Invisible Return is going to begin, I'd be all about that theory. But trying to figure out when yeah, Ducky yeah. Thompson's going to die, or if this were the leftovers, sure, maybe I'd be on board there. All right. Uh, but this is Boardwalk. It plays it a little more straight with the audience. So, yeah, I'm just going with Willie's playing both sides, uh, biding his time. All right. I like that. Uh, that's all the feedback we got. We do have a couple other uh, bonus treats. We got an interview with our pal, Kelly Anakin, mm-hmm. who co-hosts Up Yours Downstairs, uh, primarily about Downton very funny Abbey. Woman. She is a very funny yeah. woman. She just released a comedy album, mm-hmm. point of fact. We're going to have a little preview of that for you and a little interview with her, and then we'll have a brief spoiler section after that. After uh, the music. Yeah. After the music. So join us for there. If not... You can send us feedback at boardwalk at baldmove.com. And you can join us on our live thread watches every Sunday night on facebook.com slash baldmove. Or you can tweet at Jim at baldmove. Yep, absolutely. Until uh, and, until then, we'll either see you in the spoiler section or we'll see you next week. Until then, I'm Jim. No. You're Jim. I'm Nucky. And I'm Kentucky. I'm Nucky from <laughs> Nantucky, hanging and with my pal Lucky. And I'm Chucky. Chucky. You're Chucky. And we're out. My husband's persistent. He's persistent. He's crafty. Much like Gollum from Lord of the Rings. You know, he's short, thinning hair, bug eyes. He gave me a ring. Very crafty. He's got his parents. My in-laws are into this whole baby-having scam. Every time they call me, Kelly, when are you going to have a baby? When are you going to have a baby? When are you going to have a baby? Which is just rude. I would never call them up at their house and lead off with, when are you going to (laughs) die? Sure that eventually both of our dreams will come true. (laughs) Joining us now is uh, Kelly Anakin. She's one of our sisters on the Bald Move Network. You and your husband hold down the Edwardian England corner. 
on the ball, <laughs> in, in the bald move empire uh we gave that a whole corner what are what are you doing it's it's a it's a raucous corner you don't want to fuck with the edwardian corner that's true they'll go world war one on your ass and kill like 21 million people and then when that's not enough spanish influenza yeah it's not yeah, to be fucked with. you know it's uh it's an underserved market uh the reason we're having you on today is because you did something very cool very exciting and we like support the bald move family wherever we can and that is release an independent comedy album that I did. Did you talk about the what what kind of um, the inception of this idea, and maybe give mm-hmm. your uh, your your comedy credentials? Why you feel like you're qualified to make people laugh? <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, uh, I've been doing stand up comedy for about six years at this point. I started back in 2008. And uh, I was terrible for about three years, and then I got good. And then I got a job at Pandora Radio uh, from the internet. I do a lot of our, what we call curation. So I'm in charge of finding albums to purchase, getting them in the system, and queuing them up for our analysts so that they can go ahead and assign those values. Part of that is also trying to convince comedians to record material specifically for Pandora. And I've been kicking around the idea of, of releasing something myself uh, for a couple of years just because I wanted to sort of see what the, the artist point of view experiences of Pandora. I'm very much of the opinion you should never ask someone to do something that you aren't willing to do yourself. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I need to release something so that when I ask people to record stuff, you know, I know what this process is so I can relate on an artist level as well as sort of this, you know, soulless corporate level. Um, I know that the, there's some, there's, you know, listening to your material, uh, there's a lot of things that you're kind of edgy. You've got a lot of funny material, but you've talked a lot about your relationship with your family and religion. Uh, there's one in particular about uh, an experience with a miscarriage that I was like, oh God, watching a high wire act. And, you know, when you successfully navigated it to funny to funny material, it was the same kind of, you know, relief you feel when the person makes it to the other side of the platform and you're like, clop, applause. <laughs> so that was my experience as a, as a listener, as a male listener. What is it like to be up there and talking about stuff that could be controversial or personal? Upset? Is that is that something that is, is a real fear as a comedian or just? Yeah, I mean, that joke in particular um, I wrote in, what year was that? I think it was 2011, possibly. Or no, 2012. Um, I say, in, you know, on the album, I say it happened this year, but it actually happened a couple of years ago. And I was in this place where I wasn't sure if I should still keep doing comedy and if I should just kind of focus on the other parts of my career. And I unexpectedly uh, got pregnant and then just as unexpectedly lost the pregnancy. And that joke was sort of the joke that got me recommitted to comedy. Mm. So that joke is very special to me just because I'd never heard anybody talk about it before. I had never heard any, any comedian anywhere really talk about a miscarriage. I mean, you'll hear people talk about, you know, pregnancy and childbirth and they'll talk about abortion even, but miscarriage is so taboo. It's so weirdly taboo considering how often it happens. Because I mean, we didn't really, you know, we hadn't announced the pregnancy, so we didn't really have to announce the miscarriage. But right. when I was talking with friends of mine, female friends, just finding out the sheer number of them who'd had a miscarriage or know someone who has, I was like, somebody should be making us laugh about this. This is a terrible experience. Sure. And, you know, I don't write edgy stuff to be edgy. I write about what interests me, and I thought that was an interesting experience that I wanted to share. And I mean, you know, depending on the, the situation, you kind of have to read the room because some rooms are going to be more supportive of that kind of thing. 
than others. But I mean, I just had an incredible experience with telling that joke, you know, people just coming up to me and being like, Oh my God, I had a miscarriage. Thank you so much for talking about that. And it's such a great feeling when you see how much people are connecting with the material. And I think, you know, the edgy stuff, I just find that more exciting. I mean, I think, you know, anybody can talk about the more banal stuff. And I do, I talk about McDonald's, you know, that's pretty low hanging fruit. Um, But it's just the more personal a joke can be, I think the the greater the potential is for it to be funny. So there's a lot of jokes on in here that you know talk about religion and, and the miscarriage, but also you have a, a, a lot of really funny and insightful takes on being a woman in 21st century America and overall arc of uh, feminism. How has that influenced your comedy? You know, again, in the same way that you know I write jokes about being a woman, in the same way that I write jokes about or jokes that could be construed as edgy, because that's my life, and I'm I'm a woman every day, uh, never taking a day off. And I think feminism is very important. But I think in stand-up in particular, the longer that I've been kind of immersed in that culture, you see what a male-dominated space it is, just in terms of sort of who gets work and who's running the clubs and who the agents are. And a lot of times it's just like people really just don't think about it. And there's so few female comics for reasons that have been discussed in other places. But I mean, this year alone, only 8% of the albums that have been released are by a solo female comedian. And I'm not totally sure why women don't record as much as men, but they don't. And so I wanted to kind of hopefully, you know, be a a little bit of an inspiration, you know, and it's not like I'm famous or anything. This isn't going to have this huge impact, but at least kind of adding my voice to this pool when people ask me what my shtick is, which don't ever ask a comedian what their shtick is because it's not, you know, the borscht belt anymore. <laughs> um, but I generally tell people I talk about girl shit. I, <laughs> my, my personal sort of approach is, okay, I'm going to write jokes as if it didn't matter what any man thought of them. And which isn't to say, you know, I've got plenty of jokes that really appeal a lot to men. Like I, you know, my Star Wars material, my Lord of the Rings stuff. And a lot of men really like what I do. They're just not the intended audience. And I also have this sketch group and uh, nonprofit organization called Semikazi that's dedicated to creating opportunities for women in comedy as well as cultivating that female audience because I think that audience has never been looked at as, you know, anything in comedy. Um, they're, not, they're not heavily pursued. And we basically had that same philosophy to all the sketches that we would do. And you could see in the audience and you could hear when they laugh, just it, it's like this relief that comes out for women when somebody has really considered their perspective and it's not all targeted at 18 to 24 year old males. So I just, I really want that to be more prevalent and for more women to feel confident about entering the field and, you know, speaking to our experience. Cause I think comedy is so powerful. It's such a powerful way to talk about, humanity and to talk about society. And I think it's just kind of been, you know, dominated by this single perspective for so long. And I just want to see more perspectives and more interesting female comedy coming out of it. Well, again, thanks for coming on. And can you tell the listeners where they can get this album? If you just go to kellyanakin.com, you can click through to the Bandcamp page there. And it is only $3, although it is open-ended. If you want to give me more money, I will absolutely take it. <laughs> Don't have a problem with more money. All right. Uh, I will no, link. never a problem with more money. We'll link that also to the show notes and the podcast we're including the interview on. Thanks for listening, and uh, thanks for uh, 
telling people about this album. You can find uh, Kelly's podcast on baldmove.com. She has Up Yours Downstairs. You guys are doing uh, starting some instant casts for the UK release of Downton Abbey. Yeah. Uh, it's a good time. Yep. Lots of audible high fives yep. on the podcast. Once again, you can find Kelly's album on her website, Kelly, K-E-L-L-Y, Anakin, A-N-N-E-K-E-N.com. For your convenience, I'll link this in the show notes. Check it out. It's really funny, and we'll talk to you later. Sounds great. Spoiler section. What do we got? Don't normally do this. I don't know how often we'll do this, but I was intrigued by trying to figure out how winter is uh, stacking a deck for the rest of the season and trying to make Chicago-New York connection. So we watched the preview, and we're going to talk about it a little bit. Yeah. Normally this is lame. It's Capone-filled preview. It's it's Caponed up. Yeah. Lots of Capone, lots of violence from Capone. Yeah. Lots of threats of violence. So we see that uh, Lucky shows up sans Nucky and Chalky. And he (laughs) at one point says that so-and-so is a federal agent. Yeah. And then they do a shady cut to Mueller slash Van Alden on his knees with, I think, a gun to his head. Yes, gun to his head. Why do you say that is shady? Oh, but then we see Al Capone beating the shit out of somebody on the ground with a gun, probably beating to death. Yeah. Because the people that cut these trailers want you to take certain assumptions. And they're shysters. They're, they are. They they're, are purveyors of lies. They are. In front of the Lord. They, they And he will not abide it. He will not. <laughs> no. What I think is happening, because Van Mueller, or Jesus, that's what I'm going to call him for now, Van Mueller. <laughs> Van Mueller, yep. Um... He, I don't, I, I don't feel like it's time for him to go, and it would be shocking to kill him in episode four. So, so what are the things we know about Mueller? We know that he used to be a federal agent. He used to be a federal agent Certainly back a lifetime now. ago. He's on the run after murdering his partner in a baptism scene. But he also just knocked off Al Capone and and stuck him up to the two yes. twenty thousand bucks, along with Eli, along Certainly. with Eli. However, they did murder – the, the chubby guy was a witness, but he was much further away. It was a dark street, and he just basically dropped the bag and went. Yeah. The other two guys did not survive the confrontation. So I don't – I feel like that they got away scot-free. It seemed like it, yeah. I feel like what somehow that they're going to have information – well, no, that's what they're going to do. So that, the other thing we know is that his – I, I think his direct underling, his direct report works for the feds for sure. Also a fed. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Is currently a fed. So will lucky have some inside information about that somehow? So is, uh, our that, prevailing you, theories do, are that, that someone is going to rat him out yeah. or someone is going to rat Eli and Mueller out about stealing that 20, that 20 grand that they paid him off with. You've seen episode this the first season a lot more recent than I have. Although this didn't save us on the Ethan debacle. No, God, no! I have a terrible memory. Um, <laughs> did Lucky, did Luciano ever see Van Alden as a federal agent? 
that he would remember him. Oh, Jesus. I know Eli recognized him. I don't know whether Luciano does. I don't know. So it could be that... Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, you're asking me to remember it an could, entire season. So I, it could I'm be sure. that Al, Al Capone finds out that uh, D'Angelo, I think is the guy's name, that's working with the feds, is a federal agent, and he puts him on the ground and beats him to death, and then he starts rounding up like uh, Mueller slash Van Alden because he's his underling, yeah. and he's trying to uh, intimidate him into confessing if he if he really is. Yeah, it's... It, I think it's more of a test for yeah. Mueller. I mean, obviously, Mueller ends up on his hands and knees in front of Al Capone with a gun to his head. Yeah, obviously. But yeah. I don't think he's the one that takes the fall. I don't think so either. I don't think he gets beat to death next episode. I think if anybody does, it's D'Angelo. Also seems like Nucky's got a little problem with the Federales down in Cuba. Uh, what happened in the preview with that? So I don't remember. So the guy from Picardy tells Miss Wheat that... I gotta have sugarcane. Or there's no rum. Is that is his it name? Cronus? Ronus. Ronus yeah. Yep. I have to have sugarcane, or there's no rum. And if yeah. I have to have the soldiers are the ones that secure my sugarcane. And then we see a gang of soldiers shaking Miss Wheat down, and she says, "I'm sorry, we can't be friends." They uh-huh. hike up her skirt and find a pistol. Is this part of the revolution? I don't know when that happens. Well, the, the army was not on the revolutionary side. Okay. And I don't know. I, I feel like the, these. These brown beige uniforms were the legitimate army that uh-huh. that the revolutionaries wore. Like you know, you always see Che Guevara and sure. early early Fidel Castro's. They're wearing those you know olive drab green yeah type of uh, fatigues. So mm-hmm. I don't feel like it's them. But then again, and I also feel like it's a little Is early for the revolution. That sort of thing. Uh, yeah, I'd... the revolution happened in the fifties, sixties, right? Okay, sure. If that's when it happened, yeah, I don't know. I mean, before the Cuban Missile Crisis, but after Godfather, during Godfather 2, which I thought was in, like, the mid-50s. Uh-huh. That's after. So it's, like, sometime after World War II, but before the Cuban Missile Crisis, (laughs) Cuba falls to a communist dictator. Okay. Then we're not there yet. Either way, we're not there yet. Sure. Maybe Andrew T. can school our ass on that, too. I don't know. Could it be... Could could anyone else in this series exert governmental pressure... On the sugarcane operation, could Joe Kennedy? So I bought that book. That? I bought that book on book? the the uh, uh, Cuba Cuba Nocturne, the the mm-hmm. the secret history of the Cuba's involvement with mobsters. It okay. was recommended to us last episode. I bought that on Kindle. Yeah. I haven't started reading it yet. But my impression is that the government, you know, obviously it's it's friendly to organized crime, so maybe they could lean on Nucky as a small timer. Maybe this is Joe Kennedy. That's that was what I was suggesting. Yeah, maybe this is because he just, wants Bacardi just minus Nucky. Yeah, or maybe this is just the the government being corrupt and trying to shake down Nucky for some extra money because mm. it seemed like maybe Miss Wheat was not playing ball with the ex, not not wanting to hear the extra costs. Yeah. Uh, plus, Nucky's kind of short on cash, so maybe their production money's run out. But and maybe that will cause him to off Doyle finally. Yeah, that would be nice. The, I just I don't know. It looked like things are going badly for Miss Wheat as well. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll have to see. Maybe uh, Gus's grandpa's going to go down there and have to cut a bunch of bunch of ears off. Send him with a box cutter. <laughs> oh yeah, you go through a lot of ears with the box cutter. Oh man. 
The ones that break off and you can push the blade out further. Oh, yeah. You don't have to stop to sharpen it. Just <laughs> no, yeah. snap and go. Yeah. <laughs> snap, slice, and go. Uh, anything else you want to p- mention about that? No. I have no any... I'm, I'm super excited for next week. I the do preview have... looks so good. So this is another spoiler. This is a historical spoiler. Yeah, yeah. So if you don't want... Arnold Rothstein is dead. <laughs> so this is a next level historical spoiler. Okay. Uh, that if you don't want anything that's not based on stuff that you can actually see on HBO's official site, turn off now. Okay. The character Mickey Doyle's based on dies in 1931. Perfect. Perfect. Or in 1931. So it feels like that that is a for sure thing that's going to happen. Thank goodness, because he needs to go. If if there is one character I don't want to see survive this entire series, it's Mickey Doyle. You either love him or hate him. There's a lot of people like, I hope he's the last one standing. He's the cockroach <laughs> of characters. I feel like they're contrarians. Like the... The movement started with hating Doyle because he's so dumb, and and his <laughs> he's a great character. I mean, yeah, no, that, oh, I know that laugh was just so annoying at first. Yeah, but it it became slightly endearing, so I could see people branching off and saying, "We like Doyle." Let's... He's really toned it down to that, like you when oh, he yeah. first came up to the hey fellas. Uh-huh. Uh I I smell a do I smell a pie cooling on this windowsill? <laughs> that was a perfect <laughs> right? kind of thing. He didn't. He's hold. He's he's kind of holding back. He's getting better. But he's got to uh, die. He's got to die. Yeah, I feel like that. That's that's just a done deal at this point. The historical character's dead. Good. So, all right, that's it. I'm excited for next week. Uh, let's get out of here, Jim. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. See you.